Well, you know, the, uh, this morning we are starting something that I believe is more than just another series. We're going to take nine weeks. We're going to talk throughout the entire summer on the subject of the Holy Spirit. And I really believe that this is, again, just more than just some kind of a, a summer thought. I believe that God is speaking to his people. And as we look at what's going on in the world around us, And as we look at what's happening inside of us, there's one thing for sure. We desperately need the Holy Spirit in our lives than ever before. Life's a challenge and there's problems that are all around us. We look at our society today, it's just filled with hopelessness and anxiety and worry and suicidal tendencies and marriages and lives falling apart. It's not supposed to be that way. When I read scripture, it says that Jesus is actually coming back for a triumphant church. You're the church. The people of God are the church. He's coming back for people that are vibrant and healthy and filled with righteousness, peace, and joy, and living life with purpose and destiny. And as I just assess the lay of the land and we think about our lives today, how many think we could use a little bit more of the Holy Spirit in our lives, right? Come on. Not right. Unfortunately, as we dive into this subject, I recognize that on this campus, all campuses, and throughout the body of Christ, that the the theology of the Holy Spirit is mixed. In fact, for centuries, there's been some denominations that have been fighting and continue to fight actually on who the Holy Spirit actually even is. What's his nature? What's his identity? There's other people out, because of their lack of theology, seem to do really goofy things and actually call it the Holy Spirit, when actually what it is is heartburn. Just kidding. I'm actually serious. And so we see things happening, people doing goofy things or acting in weird ways, which causes people that actually desire to have a deeper personal relationship with the Holy Spirit to pull back because they're saying, if this is exactly what it's supposed to be like, I'm out. There's a lot of people today would say that the Holy Spirit doesn't even speak to people anymore. There's entire denominations or theological persuasions that says God doesn't even speak anymore only through his word. In fact, we have some religions today, so-called Christian cults, that actually separate the Holy Spirit from the Godhead. Call him an it. Call him a force. Call him a fluid or a substance. Liken him unto a radar beam. And if we can't grasp and fully embrace and understand exactly who the person of the Holy Spirit is for you, it is absolutely impossible for any person listening to my voice to live a full, purposeful, vibrant, healthy, fruitful life. It's absolutely impossible. And we're going to find that in this series. And so when we think about the Holy Spirit, I mean, there's a lot of us today, we go, okay, I got the Father God down. Okay, we sing, good, good Father, check. Okay, I love the Father. 
Jesus, that's easy. We've got a lot of red in the Bible where we can read all the Gospels and all that Jesus did. Okay, I got Jesus. But what about the Holy Spirit? How does the Holy Spirit actually apply to our lives? And I think what we need today as a church family and is what we need as the body of Christ as a whole is a fresh introduction to the Holy Spirit. And over the next nine weeks, we are going to lean forward. We are going to dive in. And I want to just ask you, whatever your theological persuasion is, just push it aside. If you've got some fears or concerns or maybe you've had a bad experience, push that aside. And let's lean in and let's look at what the Bible says afresh as a family. And let's take absolutely everything that the Word of God says and let's apply it to our life so that we can live in the full measure of what God has for us. We want to unlock the mysteries of God in our lives so that we can live an abundant, fruitful life. As I was thinking about this series and getting ready, I walked into my closet this morning, and I have a walk-in closet. Right about eye level is a shelf that has all of my winter attire. So there's hats there and gloves there. They sit there actually purposeless. They just sit there. And right at eye level were some gloves, and actually this would be a pair that I haven't worn probably for a decade. I don't even know why I have them. They're really, really ugly. But it's just sitting there, and it's just staring at me right at eye level. I, I could almost hear it talking to me. Mark, wear me. Pull me off. Give me purpose, right? And I thought about this. Our lives are a lot like this glove sitting on my shelf. Unless someone comes and pulls me off the shelf, pulls the glove off the shelf, and puts a hand into the glove, it has no purpose. Your life is like this glove. We attempt to think that we can kind of do life on our own and somehow make it all work without the Holy Spirit filling our lives. And we wonder why we have so much anxiety and worry and fear because we try to do life without Him in every aspect of our life. And some of us go, okay, I love the Holy Spirit, and so we try to get him in, but we say, okay, he can come in, but we just don't want him in every area of my life. I don't want him in my relationship because I like it, even though it's not the way it's supposed to be. He's not going there. My thought life, my behavior, my emotions, and somehow we go, you can be in this part, but you can't be in the other parts. Okay, Lord, you can kind of be in... This part, and it's love, right? Come on, hey. We're going to show love, but it's not like we have them in every other part. Here's what we're going to find about this series. The Holy Spirit intends and will do everything that he can to come into your purposeless life and fill it with purpose, destiny, hope, faith, love, peace, Joy, empowerment, strength. Someone should be getting excited right now because that's what you want. That's what all of us want. But what God is going to show us is that. 
The only way to get actually what you want is to completely open up every aspect of your life. And as we sung today, Holy Spirit, come and fill every aspect of my life. So I'm going to pray. Lord Jesus, 12 times you said in your word, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Lord, this morning we open up our hearts, we open up our lives. Lord, we lay everything before you and we simply just say, come, fill us. Help us, heal us, strengthen us, guide us, empower us, direct us, God, as a people. We're trusting you to move, bring revival to our church, to this city, to this nation, to this world. Holy Spirit, open heavens come upon us. It's a cry of our heart. We ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Everybody said. Amen. Say that better. Come on. Everybody said, so be it. Amen. Well, this morning I want to talk about the person of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to be looking at a lot of Scripture today, but I want to just kind of walk you through some theological foundation truths to build the proper foundation for the remainder of the weeks. And when we look at this word spirit in the Bible it gets translated two different ways. It gets translated over 700 times, either Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, in the English language, if you will. And the reason being is that there's not really an English word that translates very well. And in either case, when you look at the English translations, they, they didn't properly communicate the true power or the true meaning of the word, the best word that they could come up with was Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. But it really doesn't define who the Holy Spirit actually is. And that's why we're going to unpack this a little bit further together today. And as you look at these over 700 mentions in the Bible, they show up in the Old Testament and the New Testament. When you look at the Old Testament, it was written in what's called the Hebrew language. And there's a word in the Hebrew language. All of the Old Testament originated in the Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. And when you look at these two words, even though they're different language, they're similar um, attributes or definitions that define who the Holy Spirit actually is. And so as we look at the Old Testament word, it's, it's a word, ruach, ruach. I spit every time I do it, ruach. It, it's almost like you got to say it like you got a hairball in the back of your throat, right? Ruach. And when you look at this word, it's translated this way, not spirit or ghost. It's translated a wind, a breath. And when you think about this and you look at actually where it begins to unfold, you go back to the very beginning of the Bible and you will find, again, from Genesis to Revelation, you see the moving of the Holy Spirit throughout every book, Genesis to Revelation. Genesis 1.1, as you open your Bible, the very first page, it says, and then God, that's a Hebrew word, Elohim. 
And that word is actually God meaning plural, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's speaking of God being a, an, a three-person or a triune being, Elohim. But verse 2, it goes on and it says this. It says, now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God, Ruach, was hovering, was breathing over it. I love this because the first time that you see a function of the triune being God, it's the moving of the Spirit. You actually see that the very first mention of God even doing anything, it's specifically through one of the entities, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit to begin to shape and to form this thing called creation. And you go into the New Testament and you find this different word, pneuma. And pneuma, again, does not translate spirit or ghost. It's translated a current of air or a blast of breath, a a strong breeze. That's the way that the New Testament translates this 385 times. John 14, 26, I love this because it shows the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit working together. And it says, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, Numa, it says, whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus. So the Father will send the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus. You see the triune being working, functioning together. To teach you all things and bring you to remembrance all that I've said to you. To take this thing, the Logos word of God, this thing called the Bible, and he comes to breathe life, to remind you what Jesus said, to remind you what Father God said, and to constantly make sure that the wind of God, that it's fresh and it's life in your daily life, so important to understand this. And so what I want to do, as I introduce you to the person of the Holy Spirit, I want to look at his deity, I want to look at his personality, and I want to look at his names. And I want to introduce you to what the Bible says about who the Holy Spirit is for your everyday life. My prayer is that you will take these revelations and you will apply them to your life and you will leave here understanding your best friend, the Holy Spirit, like never before. Man, I'm getting excited about this. So let's begin and dive into this first one, deity. I believe it happens to be the first and the most important truth that you can ever possess when it comes to understanding the Holy Spirit. His deity, that word deity is simply a divine status or a quality or a nature. A lot of religions would use this word deity, little d, to talk about a lesser god or a spirit or a force or an idol. They call them a deity or deities. This isn't the Holy Spirit. When you look at the Holy Spirit, He is a part of the, not a, capital T, the deity, capital D, which is the inseparable form of God himself. 
It's important to understand this. A lot of people will look at the Holy Spirit as a lesser part. The Holy Spirit is God. And the Bible defines God as a triune being. It's God revealed as one in three persons. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you see this on the diagram behind me. All equal, all one. All equal, all one, called the Trinity. And it's a challenge for us because we see that and go, well, how can one God be three persons? It's simple. We want to make it more complex than it is, but as I thought about that, I thought about myself. My name, Mark Estes. Mark Estes is a father. I've got four beautiful kids. I love with all of my heart. I'm a father to my kids. So I'm Mark Estes, the father, and I can function in a way as a father to reach out and love my kids, but I can be the same Mark Estes, a son. And when I think about my parents, I love my parents, and my relationship with my parents is different than the relationship with my children. I'm still Mark Estes, the father, Mark Estes, the son. And to my wife, I'm the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Baby, I think you should do this. And, no, I'm just kidding. That's pretty funny, though, isn't it? If he didn't laugh, I'd just say, I crack me up. But, but to my beautiful wife, I am her husband. Mark Estes, the father. Mark Estes the son, Mark Estes the husband. In the same token, God, a triune being, can be God the Father, can be God the Son, and can be God the Holy Spirit. And when you further dissect the attributes of God, each of these entities, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the Bible does a masterful job of showing us that the attributes of God that are listed in there show up in other parts of the body, or excuse me, in the Bible, to give you a description that God being omnipotent, or God being all-powerful, or God being all-knowing, or God being holy, or God being all-truth, or, and you can see this on the diagram here, you see that there's all of these different mentions of the attributes of God. The Word of God shows us that life comes in the form of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, or uh, holiness comes in the form of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, or love comes in the form of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And every one of these attributes you can find throughout scripture in the form of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And when you put this all together, you recognize that God is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. Are you with me? And so it's important for us to understand these attributes of God and that the Holy Spirit is God because without that we demean him. We actually get cultish in our thinking to think that he is anything but part of the triune being called God. Are you with me? The second part that I think is important for us to understand as we look at the person of the Holy Spirit is to look at the personality of the Holy Spirit. Singular, not personalities, but personality. 
we have to understand the person of the Holy Spirit because it's foundational to our Christian living. Listen to me and lean in. If you don't understand the person, you won't get the benefits. If what we perceive the Holy Spirit to be is some kind of subjective, distant wind, and that's all that you're able to interpret in Scripture that He is, you lose all of the major benefits that will help you to live an abundant life. And so we have to recognize that if God has a personality, mind, will, emotions, intellect, that the Holy Spirit has those as well. And just as much as we were created in the likeness of God and carry His attributes, so does the Holy Spirit, being part of God, carry those same attributes. I, I read a recent um, blog post, and I think this is so important, you've got to capture this. And as I was just studying for the message, I came across this article. The title of the article was this. It was called, Until... U-N-T-I-L, until. And really this spoke to me because this was a challenge to every Christian in regards to their understanding of the personality of the Holy Spirit. I want to read this paragraph to you. It says, until the Holy Spirit is again given his rightful place in your heart, your thoughts and your activities... There is no hope for your life to improve in any way. That's a profound statement. Some self-help book isn't going to help you to be who God called you to be. Saying It's only when you allow the Holy Spirit to do that. It says, until it be recognized that we are entirely dependent upon his operations for all spiritual health, growth, and blessing, the root of our troubles cannot be reached. Doesn't matter how many times you beat on your chest and breathe in a brown paper bag. He says you can't overcome those without the Holy Spirit. He says until it be recognized that it's not by our own efforts, nor, nor by our Reliance on intellect or persuasive appeals, but complete reliance on the Holy Spirit. There can be no deliverance from any fleshly zeal, passion, sin, or addiction which is now paralyzing Christians abroad. And he finally says, until the Holy Spirit is honored, sought, continued upon, counted on, our present spiritual drought will inevitably continue. Come into worship this morning and we lift our hands and we begin to open up for a moment to the Holy Spirit. And you can just watch hands and people just go, and you leave here feeling better and more full in the hope. It's because you took a moment. To just open up a crack for a second. And the Holy Spirit said, I'm going in. And all of a sudden you're going, oh, man, I feel better. But see, the Holy Spirit doesn't want to be a 75-minute God to you. 
It's, it's like, I know that was a good comment, how huh? it wasn't even in my notes. <laughs> he just doesn't. I, I, I don't know how people do life without waking up in the morning and just like laying on the carpet or putting your head over your Bible and just waiting on him. It's like, and walking throughout every day, Romans 8, 14, those that are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. He wants to walk with you and fill you. He wants to come and make sure that every part of your life is filled so that you can fight and you can praise and whatever it is that those fingers represent. So as you think about that, his identity reveals his personality. And I want to show you in just a couple ways. His attributes confirm his personality. And you can see this, again, first of all, we see the Holy Spirit. He has intellect. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 2.10. It says, these things God has revealed to us through what? Through pneuma, through the Spirit. For the Spirit, I love this. Searches everything, even the depths of God. He searches your life seven days a week, 24 hours. Some of you going, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. He knows everything. He knows more about you than you know about you. He searches everything, your motives, your thoughts, your addictions, your lust, your greed. He, just, he goes in and he scrubs and searches everything. Not to make you feel bad. Not to be some kind of morality police officer. He wants to come to help you. He wants to come and help you that when you're struggling in an issue that you shouldn't do, he wants to come give you strength and give you truth and bring you peace so that you can overcome that problem so that you can live the life that he's called you to live. So he knows. He searches all things. Remember a pastor, he sent a letter to his entire congregation and It was an anonymous letter, and it said, all is revealed, leave town. A lot of people left town. If you got that letter this week, what would you do? It's like, "Uh uh-oh, hello, I'm in trouble, right? But see, the Holy Spirit, he comes to search you. He has intellect because he wants to help you, not hurt you. He, He has knowledge. The Holy Spirit understands all the knowledge of God. You take it to the next verse, 1 Corinthians 2.11. No one can know a person's thought except the person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And he comes to unlock the mysteries of God. That once once he begins to search you, he wants to bring knowledge to you. So you're in a situation, you've got a marital conflict, you've got a challenge, you're struggling with depression. He comes to search that and say, that isn't the way that it's supposed to be. Now he wants to now give you the knowledge to overcome the problem. And oftentimes what happens is we just, we build our lives around trying to do it on our own. It's like the missionary, he was given a a car once, and the guy that gave him the car said, hey, there's one problem with the car, it doesn't start by itself, you got to jump start it. He was just grateful to get a new car. So for two years, he would drive the car without it starting. He he took out his map and looked at the topography, and he, he knew every little hill everywhere over the city, by the grocery store and the church and by the counseling office and by the friend's house. And he'd always park up on a hill, even if he had to walk five minutes, because 
he knew that's the only way it would start, where he could pop the clutch and it would start and he could drive. For two years. He was leaving to come back to the States. He decided to donate or give the car to another missionary. He said, hey, by the way, got it two years ago. It's never started. Here's my map with the little X's all over where the hills are. And the missionary lifted it. He says, have you ever looked under the hood? He goes, no, didn't think of that. Opens up the hood, looks down. The battery cable's loose. He just goes, starts right up. How many of us today are driving our lives for years with a problem, a thought, a challenge, a struggle, an addiction, and we're just trying to find the different places around our lives where we can park and jumpstart it, and we just haven't stopped to lift up the hood and say, it's just a bad connection with the Holy Spirit. Just get, get out your wrench. Get out the Bible, your wrench. Get out your prayer and begin to tighten and just go, wham, boom. Start up and just do life with freedom and power and anointing. The Holy Spirit has emotions. The Bible says that he actually can be grieved. Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit, pneuma of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. In other words, you can actually break God's heart by your sinful behavior. Lying, cheating, stealing, anger, resentment. Every time we do those things, we actually are hurting the person that created you and loves you the most. And it's important to understand that because the next time you're going to dive in and do something that you know that you shouldn't do, think about the person that loves you most. I would never do anything to hurt my wife. I love her with all of my heart. What keeps me even pure in my thoughts and motives with people of the opposite sex is because I love my wife with all of my heart and I would do nothing to ever hurt her. I don't want to grieve her. The same applies as you look at the personality of the Holy Spirit. We don't want to do things that grieve Him. He just wants to love you and bless you and give you everything that you so desire in life. And He also has a will. He has the power of sovereign choice and reason. He chooses to give you gifts, talents, blessings. He chooses to direct your steps. How many are grateful that you're about ready to make a mistake and the Holy Spirit stops something in your life and keep you from a train wreck? Hallelujah. I mean, it's just like I wake every, every morning and I say, God, you've got to help me. I'm, gonna, I'm entering the day and I've got lots of things in front of me and I'm not smart enough. I'm not quick enough. I'm not strong enough. You have to direct my steps, God, because I don't want to mess anything up. He speaks and says, do this or do that. Do that. Look at a scripture. Oh, read Proverbs. Yes. So all of a sudden I feel him directing me and directing my steps. But again, it's kind of like our glove. It's just like, those are good concepts, Mark. If you don't let him in, it makes it a real challenge. 
You look at his works and what he does, which really proves he has a personality too. He teaches us. John 14, 16 talks about that he's going to send. Jesus is going to send another helper, the Holy Spirit, and he's going to come to be a teacher. He wants to teach you every morning. You open up your Bible and you start reading it and you're looking at it and all of a sudden you're praying about a situation or how to handle a marriage situation or a child issue or a, a conflict at work and you open up the Word, the Word begins to teach you. It goes from Logos, the wind blows upon it, the Ruah begins to speak to you. It's like, oh, okay, I got the answer. I know how to deal with forgiveness now. Matthew 18, okay, I need to go to them alone. I'm not going to gossip. And if I just follow this pattern of Matthew 18, I'm going to have better friends and less enemies. He's teaching me. He guides me. We just talked about that. Is that you, you look at John 16, 13, and it just talks about how the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. Listen, I'm not that smart of an individual, but I found out one profound revelation in my life. Following the Bible is the best way to live an abundant life. Just follow it. Nah, hey, well, you know, it's outdated. It's just like, you're not that smart either. God knows more than you. He wrote a manual. It's it's called your, your life manual, the Bible. Open it up, and when it comes to a relation, whatever it might be, finances, if you're struggling for 20 years over finances, read what the Bible says and apply it to your life, and all of a sudden it just comes alive. Some things come in order. He also does this. He convicts. Jesus stated that the Holy Spirit would convict the world. John 16, 8. And the word convict actually means he comes to convince you concerning your sins, righteousness, or judgment. He comes to convict you. Not because he wants to hurt you, but because that the path you're on in a certain area will actually destroy you if you continue. He just sees it from a different angle. My kids were little. It just I wouldn't just like let them go play out in the middle of the highway. Oh, but I love the highway. I love yellow paint. It's just like, no, you're not going there. And they're crying, and you're so mean. No, I'm not mean. I'm trying to save you from getting ran over by a car. And it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. He just wants to come to help you. Trust him. Listen to him. Lean into him. You don't have it all figured out. I don't have it all figured out. When you start feeling that conviction of going to apologize to someone or stop a certain behavior, just listen to that. That is not your pizza. That is the Holy Spirit speaking to you. He gave you a conscience for a reason. He works through your conscience to change your behavior. He regenerates. When we were born again, we were regenerated and born of the Holy Spirit. I am not the guy that I used to be. Before Christ, I was a very difficult, ugly person. My wife was the only one here that would say, amen. But the Holy Spirit came into me and transformed me. He didn't just forgive me. He gave me a new nature. He gave me a new identity. The old Mark Estes died. Galatians 2.20, it is no longer I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. The Spirit of God lives in me. So every day when you wake up, it's just like, 
He doesn't just do it when you get saved or when you give your life to Christ. He wants to do it every day. Listen, I spend a couple hours with the Lord every morning, not because I think I'm spiritual, but because I know I'm not. I just, I just need Him. I mean, you go a day without Him, and I, I just become just like you. I just become a, a cranky, angry person. I want the Holy I want His life in me. I want him to regenerate me. When I'm starting to feel stressed somewhere, I'll just close the door to my office and just pray and say, just come and bring love and peace, your joy. God, just help me. Just open up the door. Hey, how you doing? He regenerates. Listen, he, there's some of you here, you're so dry. It's been so long since you've been with him. If you just find a moment, go out to the parking lot, crawl under a pew, find a closet, and just go, Ugh. just let him come and regenerate your spirit, your emotions. Everything becomes strangely dim. He intercedes for you. Think about this. I love what the scripture says. It says, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. It shows the emotions, how much he loves you, that he just groans and cries over your brokenness and your hurt and your pain. And these rooms, every campus is just filled with people that are hurting and broken. He just doesn't know about them. He actually is going, Father, give them everything that they need. He's interceding over you. He's hoping that you'll just open up your life just enough where he can put in the love and the peace and the joy and into your life. It's just like, oh. How many glad that we have a Holy Spirit that does all that? Come on. He quickens us, comforts us, unites us, enlightens us, fills us with faith, cleanses us, empowers us, confirms us, preserves us, transforms us, assures us, leads us, and that's only just a few. This is the person of the Holy Spirit. Let me just put this up here, and I'm almost done. Look at all the names of the Holy Spirit. What is it that you need today? An addiction? The Holy Spirit is called the free spirit. You can't get freedom if you don't know the chain breaker. The reason why all of these names are given to us is so that we understand who the Holy Spirit is. You think of the name president, manager, office, artist, author. Whenever you apply a name to a person, it says what their expertise is. You need wisdom? He's the spirit of counsel and understanding and knowledge. You need a miracle. It's a spirit of might. You're sitting here and go, man, I feel so bad about my mistakes. He's the spirit of grace. 
He comes to bring amazing grace. He's the grace giver. That's why we're doing this series. We need the Holy Spirit. And to teach us and to help us that when we wake up in the morning, we start with this revelation. I can't do a thing without you. Even ask him to help you do your smoothie. I mean, just get him involved in everything. Right? Come on. Let me read this quote to you and we're going to pray. It's a quote by a man named J.C. Wilfot. He's a Puritan preacher back in the 1800s. Although I don't agree with all of his theological positions, I agree with this statement. He says this, Let no one think that the distinct doctrine of the person of the Holy Spirit is a mere strife of words, or unimportant matter, or an unprofitable discussion which we may take or leave, believe or deny, without any injury to our faith or hope. On the contrary, let this be firmly impressed on your mind that if you deny or disbelieve the personal of the blessed spirit, you deny and disbelieve with it the grand foundation truth of the Trinity himself. And if your doctrine be unsound, your experience must be a delusion and your practice an imposition. Guys, we need him. Would you close your eyes? I just want to pray. Holy Spirit, do you come in this place? Every campus, everybody listening online, sitting at a Starbucks, on their bed, on vacation, in a car. Holy Spirit, come. Would you come and would you reveal yourself to us in these days ahead? God, would you help us to hunger and to thirst, to run after, to seek, to wait, to glean. God, the Holy Spirit in our lives. God, like this glove analogy, God, we open up our lives and we say, fill every spot. We give you permission to invade every part of our mind, our will, our emotions, our thoughts, our behaviors, our mistakes, our pain. God, you, Holy Spirit, breathe upon this place. Let a ruach wind breathe upon us. And would you in these coming days teach us, guide us, encourage us, empower us. Would you come and convict us? Lord, would you help us so that we could be the people that you created us to be?